Welcome everybody to this fine day at Tahoe and the Tahoe City PUD meeting, August 16th. Any changes to the agenda, Cindy? Yes, we'd like to add an item uh, under urgency that came up as a request this morning. We received an email from the Lake Tahoe Partnership uh, to sign on to a letter of support uh, for the regional uh, plan for the Tahoe Basin and in response to some of the negative uh, letters that had been received by the federal officials that are here Monday. So the um, item came to our attention this morning and needs to be acted on before Monday so it can be considered as an urgency item and uh, your first action would be to agree to put it on the agenda and then under the agenda item, we can discuss the details. Does everybody yeah, go read it and find out who's in support of this yes. plan yeah. update? And all yeah. That? yeah. Okay. Can you give an overview of it? So, so the first step would be to entertain a motion to add an item to the agenda to consider signing this letter. And move approval. That we Second. Been moved and seconded. All in favor? Aye. 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 Okay, and then we can take it up later in the agenda wherever you would like to take it, correct? Yes. So um, we have some other items. Lou, uh, you might want to take it up under action items at E, and okay. we could add it as item 7, E7. E7, okay. Okay, public forum. Do we have anybody that would like to say anything that's not on the agenda for up to five minutes? You don't have <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the consent calendar. <clears throat> we'll consider routine, so all in favor? Anybody want to pull in? <laughs> Judy? I'd like to pull nine and ten. Nine and ten. Um, and I had a question actually about Rocky Ridge Tank, whether it was all buffed out. Rocky Ridge. <clears throat> I'd move the balance of the consent calendar. Second. Okay. Move the second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Sorry, move the second. I move the second. A motion. Can you turn on your microphone? How many do we have? <laughs> okay, item five, Rocky Ridge. Um, my question was, they started to finish it pretty late in the year, and they had tire tracks and mud and ruts and all that stuff, and I was just wondering how well that all got buffed out. I know the tank's done well, but... Yeah, it went real well. Um, they blighted it at the end of the 
there last year. Um, yeah. Pulled out a lot of the, the duff from around the area. We buttoned it up pretty well at the very end. We came back and we monitored it since. Is there any revegetation take place? Uh, yeah, it's actually it's actually doing quite well here without us actually seeding anything. Um, but just pulling in the natural brush because we don't have Okay, cool. That's all I want to know. Thanks. Okay, Lou, move approval number five. Second. Second. Aye. Yeah, I was thinking about other stuff. Sorry. You're way ahead of me. Way ahead of me. Okay. Sorry about that. We were having a private conversation over here. Okay. We've got a motion and second for five. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, nine and ten. You want to take them both up together? Yeah, um, because my question is pretty much the same on both. The, the engineer's estimate on both of these was substantially lower than the bids. I, I understand the bidding climate may have changed a bit, but I'm just wondering why they were so much lower. And I ask Matt to respond. I think he's prepared to respond on both of those. Yeah, and before I did, I just wanted to highlight that on the dollar two notice of award, we've handed out a updated uh, board memo with all the budget data for dollar two for the project, uh, which is under budget. Is the conclusion there? Um, engineers' estimates. Uh, you know, I always say the only the only time we know what a project's going to cost is on the day we open bids. Um, and the bid price is uh, the cost of the project on that day for that project. Uh, up until that point, we are estimating what we think it would cost. And generally, we are estimating the cost of projects based on historical uh, bidding. And so I always say that as the climate's, bidding climate is changing, we're always lagging behind that. So as bids are going up, we're sort of following that because we're looking at history. Um, so in this, uh, and we're always looking for comparables. These two projects were a little unique for us as in that we don't have a lot of comparable projects to look at. So the metering project, you would say, yes, we, we had 2008. We uh, did bidding for metering, and we looked at those prices. But these were, this project was a lot smaller. Um, and we bid it a little bit differently. So on the metering for Tahoma Meadows uh, in 2008, the contractor included all the material purchasing in their bid price. In this project in Tahoma Meadows, because of the timing of the project, we pre-ordered all the meter pits. So we were supplying, or we pre-ordered, we bid them separately, I should say. So we were supplying the materials. So when we looked at the comparable back to 2008, we had to adjust out those material costs. And to be plainly honest, we got it a little bit wrong, obviously, in that one. Um, the, the only other thing I would add is estimating is, it, there's a number of ways to do estimating. For instance, on the metering project, we could have sat back and looked at material costs, labor costs, equipment costs, and built up a full estimate. Um, but that takes quite a bit of time. And we'd still end up being not correct. And so we're always weighing how important is accuracy in that estimate versus 
what it means to the budget. So on the Tahoma Meadows, you're looking at a three-quarter million dollar project overall, and you know we got it wrong by thirty grand. It, you know, it's still so it's within the budget. Grand, it was about half, so. Yeah, it, and that's a that's one of those yeah. percentage things versus dollar right. things right. where you're, you know, it looks bad, but in the dollar scheme, it's it's not a big deal. So we could have spent, you know, an extra couple grand doing a much more detailed estimate, and said it was fifty grand, and ended up getting a bit of sixty six. You know, so. Uh, that's, that's, that's fine. Now, okay. I just, when, when reading them, they just seemed yeah, substantially it, off. Yeah, there was definitely, we definitely got the um, the metering one a little bit wrong. Uh, the one on the service lines, that one, we just we just underestimated the amount of uh, difficulty in the work. So if you look okay. at the unit prices there, we just didn't include sort of all the <coughs> fine detail work. So, okay, anyway. thank you. I'll move approval of 9 and 10. Second. Good move. Seconded. All in favor for 9 and 10? Yes. Aye. 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 Okay. okay. Action items E. Recognition. This is the fun part. Yeah. Go ahead. Cindy. I think Tony's going to start, or Matt's going to start with corals. Um, yeah, it's, I wanted to recognize uh, Coral uh, recently completed a uh, supervisory management certificate program with the uh, University of Nevada at Reno. Um, this certificate required Coral to attend uh, five core courses and five elective courses. They're essentially one or two day courses each. Um, she did it over the last two years. She came to me and asked to do it and, and was very diligent about getting it done. It's very valuable to her position as technical services supervisor. So I just wanted to say congratulations and good job on getting that done. So. Thanks, Coral. Do we have a presentation to get from? No, she already has it. She already has it. <laughs> well, come I'm more valuable than William. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, <laughs> Okay. Then we have a, Tony, you want to yeah. take uh, Lance's recognition? Sure. Um, so, you're recognizing Lance DiMartini for his three year uh, service award. And. Dan Lewis wrote a few notes for me to, to talk about, and then I'll talk about a few things on my own. But, um, you know, Lance, Lance has been a great addition to the utilities crew. He came from the, the public or the uh, private side, um, working for excavating contractors, in fact, working for Parada at, for a period of time. Um, and it's been really refreshing to have his, that private mentality come on board because it's it's no nonsense it's get the job done um, and it's being reliable uh, and um, showing excellent work ethic um, so he's really uh, brought um, kind of a new dynamic to our underground crew um, he's an excellent operator he's an excellent pipe fitter um, and you know as Dan said he's the type of guy you want at your side at 2 a.m. in a blizzard repairing a sewer line 
Um, so, and I, I would echo that as well. Um, second thing, you know, that, that both Dan and I appreciate about Lance is, um, is that no-nonsense work ethic. Um, it's been hard to find lately, and, and he brings that to the, to the utility district, and we really appreciate that. Um, and uh, it's, we've been, I think Lance is probably part of a big reason why we've been doing more underground repairs and more underground work in-house, um, because nice. he's brought that um, sort of no-nonsense work ethic to the district, um, and, and it's really paid off for us. We had to buy some equipment, but it's paid off for us. <laughs> so I want to recognize Lance for three great years. Thank you. Thank you very much. But do you get along with Jeff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I worked for Jeff at Aspen. So. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. And I wanted to just say a quick word as well to echo um, this crew that Dan and Tony have put together uh, with so much background in the private sector uh, are making outstanding contributions to the district and performance and Lance is a huge part of that at work ethic and uh, drive to uh, complete the work and it's so noticeable to all of us and, and beyond just your direct boss there Lance. And uh, good attitude and happy to be at work and proud to represent the district. He's a great representation of this district. I never see our guys leaning on shovels out there. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go to work? <laughs> okay. Matt? Oh, I guess I'll deal with this one. I'll start anyway. Are, you, are we ready for the PowerPoint? <laughs> no, we actually didn't do one, um, but uh, we thought about it, but we knew he would uh, like it too much, and so we didn't really yeah. give him that credit. Um, and, you know, with this I think this was due a month or two ago, and so he's actually uh, a little over his 10-year anniversary, but um, I couldn't let him do it, give it to himself last month when I wasn't here, so we had to wait. Might have been skipped. Um, so Matt joined the district in 2003, May of 2003, after an extensive review process. I know that I think Bob Lowry took him to lunch and hired him on the spot, so I think that's about how it went as our district engineer uh, replacing Don Hale, who had left uh, before. And, uh, and then in uh, December of 2012, of course, we promoted him to also being assistant general manager. And I heard he did okay at the last board meeting, setting a record time. Yes. And that I, uh, that, that actually uh, I'm in trouble now. So, um, so I think he's fulfilling those duties as well. But during his tenure, we have completed 48914748 dollars worth of capital infrastructure projects. What would they do that? <laughs> <laughs> Engineers' estimates on those I don't know. And and of that, tw about 25 million was in our enterprise water and sewer functions, and 24 million in our general fund uh, projects. So our parks and rec projects. Um, significant projects, uh, Highlands Tank, uh, the Truckee River Outlet Parcel, the entire water metering uh, project for all our customers, the Harbor Master Sewer Pump Station, uh, and obviously Lakeside Trail, 
the acquisition of the Tahoe City Golf Course, the Tahoe Tavern Booster uh, system and rehab of the uh, system up there, and uh, numerous, numerous water line replacements, and obviously to get to almost $50 million, uh, a lot of work in this district that has been overseen by Matt in his excellent direction. Um, we gave Matt a, a memorandum of commendation last year for the, uh, his participation and leadership in the Tahoe City Golf Course acquisitions and the Lakeside Bike Trail accomplishments, and uh, that's also in his file. Um, but besides all the numbers and projects, um, Matt has made such tremendous impact on the district, leading the charge on technology, hiring Sean, uh, and uh, really pushing forward on that uh, GIS systems and, and all the mapping and bringing us up to uh, a more current status. We're never quite up to where we all want to be in technology, but we're getting there, and it's really due to his leadership and dedication. Also taking over um, management of the technical services department, restructuring, and really functioning well with John and Coral under, under him, as well as Sean and uh, the technical services department. Um, I can't say enough about his support to this district, his leadership within the district, his support for the other department managers and his own staff is just has been tremendous. So he's a great resource to this community. Um, I can't imagine this district without him. So, and I want some other managers to speak up and maybe board members too. So. Do you, uh, can I chime in? Yeah. I'm one of the newest members of the management team, as everyone knows. I think going on 20 months. And I have actually looked for Matt, to Matt for guidance and advice. And I know he's like this. And we've had a few conversations where he's um, given me good direction. And I, I want to um, read something here that I wrote down that um, this is what I value most. And one of the things that he said to me is that if you ignore it long enough, it'll go away. <laughs> and so I, I hold on to that, Matt, and I embrace it, because it, it's working so far. So thank you for that piece of advice. And I hope I make it 10 years here, and that's my plan. So there you go. Tony, did you want to? Well, fortunately, he's been ignoring me for a long time, but I, I don't go away. Um, no, I, I, I can't say enough about um, my relationship with Matt. You know, being the engineer and the director of utilities, um, it takes a lot of patience uh, and a lot of effort between us to, you know, get a project um, completed that works not only for on paper but also in reality. Um, you know, I'm sort of the bridge between the operations side and the engineering side, and so um, we've we always have some interesting conversations on how to get things done. But I I always appreciate that. He is always interested in trying to make sure that the operations side um, is represented uh, in a project. Um, and uh, so, and, and echo what Ramona says, you know, I feel like I can go to Matt and, and resolve a situation or resolve a problem um, and walk away with a solution and whether I end up ignoring it or not. Um, but uh, it, it's, it, it when I first got here, we didn't have that engineering leadership. Um, and we, we just, the projects were getting done, but they were so few and far between, um, you know, it was frustrating for the operations side because there were so many projects that needed to get done. Um, and when Matt got here and really started to, you know, 
um, get some consultants working hard and get some projects on the ground, I think it's made a tremendous difference. Um, and just, you know, $50 million in projects is pretty impressive. So thanks, Matt. And that's an audited number, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Validated, Bob? I don't have any stories, but and don't look at my notes. Matt always looks at my notes while I'm talking. <laughs> um, respect is one of the key words that I think of when I talk when I think about Matt. He's 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 intelligent, articulate, he's decisive, and that's what I really like about him. He he can make decisions um, on the roll. Um, when he's not ignoring him. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's he's very respected by the staff here at the district. He's got some lawyer in him, which um, I've, I've noticed. Uh, Steve, Steve, Steve would probably agree. I mean, the, the guy just comes up with this stuff like he's been a lawyer his whole life or something. So that's, that's pretty amazing. A great guy to work with. Definitely is a very strong member of our management team. Uh, he takes my parks and rec issues seriously, which I thank you for. Because, um, um, you know, you could, you could tell me to. <laughs> Multitasking, I, I sit, I have an office right next door to him, and I see the, the number of projects that he's working on every day. Uh, they're numerous. Um, his leadership is, is excellent, and he's got great common sense. So um, that's just my list of words, but I have a great amount of respect for Matt, and uh, he's a huge part of this team, and you guys should be very, very fortunate to have him on our team. Did you want to say anything, Terry? She loves speaking in public. <laughs> no, I, I have lots of stories, but I'm just very appreciative every day to have Matt as someone to bounce things off of because he has a very distinct perspective. <laughs> so you're always a good balance whenever there's a challenge going on. Any of his uh, staff want to say any words? Come on. I've worked for Matt now for almost five years, and uh, you know I think everybody kind of summed up a lot of what Matt does here really well. Uh, Cindy kind of hit on the operational things that I've had an opportunity to be involved with, and so you know I think I think that's a really important distinction. He, he's he's you know while doing these fifty million dollars worth of capital projects, he's also been really driving a lot of operational efficiencies within the whole organization, and. Uh, I think that's a I think that's a unique ability for uh, you know for somebody to, to be focused on these external projects, but also be be looking at how to how to improve the organization overall. So I really appreciate that. And just um, you know just on a on a personal note or a, or a, you know from my my own experience working for Matt, um, I've worked for a lot of different people. I've done a lot of different kinds of jobs, uh, and I've never had a relationship with uh, with my superior, I, I guess, and and. Uh, I would more describe our relationship as co-workers instead of boss, and I think that's a lot of credit to Matt because he treats me uh, as an equal, and uh, and he just encourages that that level of communication and respect where I can come into his office and say things that I probably shouldn't say to my boss, uh, but he allows me to do that, and and so I think it's it really has allowed me to grow a lot, and it's something that I really appreciate, uh, you know, the opportunity for for him to. To treat me that way, it's, it's allowed me to grow quite a bit. So, I really, really appreciate Matt, and I, I agree, echo everybody else's sentiments that we are really lucky to have. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I have a few words as well. Um, 
Matt is a great boss and mentor, and I appreciate you making time for everyone that walks in your office. I know that you have lots of neatly organized piles of your different projects that you're working on, but you always make time for the people, and I think that is really appreciated. Um, from a district level, Matt is meticulous and detail-oriented. He's really fun to work on specifications with, but he's still aware of the big picture, and I think that's uh, something that's really unique. Not everybody has that ability to go from the micro to the macro, and Matt has that, and um, I think it's served the district well, and um, it's been helpful for me personally to learn from and try to emulate in some small amount. I'll leave it at that, but thank you, Matt. I appreciate your leadership, and it's great working with you. Thank you. Dan? Everybody else used all the good words. Yeah, I've been Matt's minion here for I think 17 years, been in the district for nine. Um, it's it's been a, a good relationship. He's uh, he's been to me a, a very strong mentor. Um, I've seen him grow here phenomenally, and I'm getting less red ink on my work. So. <laughs> well, if I'm improving, he's just getting more patient. <laughs> but uh, he's. Uh, he, he's a go-to guy for me, and he, he's always, always there. Thanks, John. Yeah, I just, I just say from an individual board member's perspective, um, you know, any work that I see in our board packets over the last seven or eight years I've been on the on the board has always been thorough and uh, on target. So it's it makes it easy as a board member to rely on, you know, the to be able to rely on Matt's work as not something that, you know, I as another engineer feel like I need to go check on or see if he really got it right or not. So it, you know, I think the service you provide to the board and the district is, is extremely valuable and I appreciate that. Judy? This may come as a surprise to some, but when I first came on this board, my engineering background, particularly in sewer and water, wasn't as strong as it could have been. <laughs> and Don't Matt, <laughs> now I'm brilliant, thanks to Matt. Um, but I, I want to echo uh, what Coral said about your sometimes too open door policy because I have never felt like I could not walk in your office and get a clear and patient explanation about minutia, and I really appreciate that, and it's really helped me be a better board member, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. okay. Ron, do you have anything? Uh, just like to sincerely say you've done a, a really nice job, and it's been fun to see that and, um, and experience it. And having, having said that, um, I'm glad this is only a 10-year uh, celebration or we would be here all day for all the good things we've done. Um, I, was, um, I, I guess I would say I was thankful to hear about the ignore because that does offer an explanation for some of your <laughs> actions and um, approaches to projects. Um, and I think beyond that, uh, some of the other comments that it would... I think, uh, as a board member, would appreciate a little bit more of a co-working co um, uh, relationship rather than you being the boss all the time. That would be good. And um, 
Um, the open door policy of the office is okay too, with, except for the anal way you keep that thing clean. Um, and then I think the the last thing and probably the the thing I will remember the longest is when you did come in here as a, a new youngster and we did need to help you with oh a couple of things. Just one to pick out was probably facial expressions, but we were able to <laughs> give you some guidance in that direction. Thanks for being here. Well, I'm sorry I asked, Ron. <laughs> Eric? Um, I appreciate Matt's sensitivity to some issues than the, than the level of uh, patience he has with, and with explanations of how we got to where we got to. Um, one of the things I was thinking of is how we, Matt and I walked the San Sushi Trail and went through a, you know, pretty, spent a few hours out there and, and uh, get some, you know, he, he's conscientious and sensitive to the fact when board members are uncomfortable about some issues that uh, he takes that into consideration and tries to enlighten and either and maybe persuade <laughs> um, to that direction. But I don't know about that. Ignore it long enough because the bike trail is coming back to bike trail. <laughs> <laughs> well, as the other engineer on the board, it's not rocket scientist, scientist that we are, but uh, close. I really appreciate your effort of, of upgrading the technology of the district. It's really been, we're, we're yet to see all the benefits from it. And I think there's going to be more in the future, and I want to thank you for it. Again, good job. Just, Come on up. I want to say just two sentences. Uh, no. You know, I appreciate, uh, I love living in Tahoe, and I love seeing things get built. Um, and so I think I found the perfect job, and I wanted to thank you for the opportunity. Congratulations. Thanks, Do you? You like Tahoe? Yes. <laughs> be in Is your mom coming too? Or are you yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, Matt. <laughs> okay, employee benefits, E4. Ramona has a little PowerPoint to go through this uh, item. So thank you. This is the only fancy screen, so I just want to let you know that. So um, Michelle, Martlin, and I have spent the last 60-plus days going through all of the employee benefits. Let's see. We are currently, as you know, um, looking for employee, for different providers who can offer us the same or like-for-like like, um, benefits at a reduced or the same cost or something along those lines. As you can see, we've worked with two brokers, Dean Foreman with GFBB and Ray uh, Garbidian with CPAIS. I'm not going to say that whole, whole, whole long word there, there his title. We've looked at five areas health, dental, vision, long-term disability, and group-term life and voluntary life. So I'm just going to tell you how, what the process, what we did, our approach, and how we got to our recommendation today. So three things that we did in terms of our approach. We evaluated the overall benefit for, in those five areas. 
If they were not similar or like-for-like -like benefits, they weren't considered. Then, if we were considering them, then we looked at the overall cost to the district as well as to the employee, the retiree, and board member who all participate in our employee benefit plans. Once we decided that looked good, then we started looking at their network, their PPOs, so what kind of providers we had in the area that met the needs of our participants. So, so what we considered in our findings, health, both brokers decided to decline because of the challenges of finding like-for-like -like health coverage. As you know, we're with CalPERS, and we have a contract with CalPERS, and we could not find a like-to-like -like benefit with them, so we're not recommending any changes right now. However, it does present an opportunity or a time to, to when we get ready to negotiate next year with the union and how we look at benefits and, and how they may change up a little bit as well. So we, we, what's nice about this whole 60-plus days of research is that it gave us some other items to move forward with and to keep researching as we get ready for union negotiations in the next six months. Dental, just as everyone knows, we are a self-funded plan. As you know, the district self-funds all of the claims that come in up to an amount. So really what we looked at was someone to help administer those self-funded claims, as well as they are able to provide us what we call in-network PPOs. And so we're going to recommend Assurant here. And as you can see, we looked at a three dental plans. And what Assurant provides us is a seamless transition for the employee, meaning you can, the employee, the board member, and the retiree can do exactly what they're doing now, or they can decide to use the PPO and then actually have some reduced out-of-pocket costs or reduced claims. So what we did to make sure this worked for us is that we tested four to five claims, and what we discovered is that the employees saved about $460 out-of-pockets. The district paid about, would have paid about $440 less in claim costs. So we're recommending this, as well as going to this, to dental here with this assurance, is that it takes staff out of the business of going through dental claims and administering them. They now will administer it. So we think this is a good plan, and um, we're recommending that to the board. I'll move on to the next. That works, though, basically the same, or? It, it's, since we self-funded, Assurant will administer our plan, and then if the employee just happens to have or decides to use a PPO, a dentist inside their PPO, they could pay less out of pocket. So in other words, the amount that we offer every year can go further. Can we can, they can stretch that. It should be relative seamless. The only change would be they would send their claims to someone else and we wouldn't be taking them in the office anymore. Vision, two plans were presented to us. We looked at Superior Vision and, and the Alpha JPIA plan. None were like-for-like -like benefit. And what we discovered, they were not near as flexible as we are with our current self-funded plans. So there's no recommendation on that one at this time. Long-term disability was an interesting one. We received 11 proposals, and actually this was the area that provided the, the largest savings to the district. Again, similar like benefit. We estimated if you... Um, go with the district, with the staff's recommendation, we could save the district close to $16,000 a year. Um, however, we're asking that you approve us, you approve to make the recommended change 
but let us work through an, a current employee issue we have and then make them move probably three months from now. Group term life and voluntary life, we looked at nine plans. For us to move to any new plan, we would need to have 25 participation in a voluntary life to make a change to the plan. Currently, we're at 10% participation. So we're asking the board to allow, to, to, we're recommending that you allow us to go ahead and make the change if we can get to a 25% participation during our open enrollment period in November. And that savings is, is a nominal savings, but it's about 1500 a year if we can make the savings. So it's predicated on getting individuals to participate in voluntary life. Staff and board members, right? Uh, yes, staff and board. And I'm just going to pull, uh, direct your attention to, you know, the Section E4 has the list of recommendations here. That was it. And I want to commend Ramona and Michelle for extensive amount of work reviewing all these plans. It's not easy, uh, and I think any of us who deal with any sort of insurance claims and uh, explanations, it's always uh, challenging to, to get to the point of really understanding like for like. It takes a tremendous amount of analysis to make sure the same things are covered or not and how term terminology varies terminology. between the various plans. And of course, uh, everybody wants to woo you to their side, so you really have to go through it uh, closely. But they did a tremendous job in reviewing all these. And it's, a, as Ramona said, a good... Um, a good foundation as we go into contract negotiations next year for the board to reconsider any of these areas. Uh, but at this point in time, we are needing to continue with our uh, existing levels of coverage. And uh, so I think all told, we'd be at about a $16,000 savings plus whatever we do from the dental, which mm -hmm. we can't uh, fully predict at this point. But mm -hmm. Uh, there would be additional savings there. So thanks, Ramona. Oh, yeah, you're Michelle, welcome. who's on vacation. Michelle, who's on vacation. Yeah, I'm doing this. So I, I will add one thing. One of the brokers did say to Michelle, she said, I've never had anyone ask so many questions and go through and vet every single one of these items so thoroughly. So Michelle's a great researcher. That's our so, Michelle. That's our yeah. Michelle. So we're lucky to have her. So, so basically, what we did was to take the various insurance plans that we've um, that we're providing for the employees and and I guess the board as well, and and shop them to see if we could get similar coverage at better value, and we were able to do that in in some instances and in other instances, you're able to confirm that the coverage that that we have is at the best value with the existing provider. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Ramona, let me ask you about how does our human resources department market this program or these programs to our employees, or do we? Well, much like what we would do um, every year, as you know, first I'll just start what we do every year. We, we do a benefit every year, and we review everything that we have are offering to the employees and it's their opportunity to make changes or not make changes at that time. What we would do if the board decides to accept the recommendations, because dental will be one of the first ones, again, we would do what we have is that we pull everyone together, we educate them, let them know what's available, and then set a time and date when we're going to execute. 
As new employees join the district, Michelle goes through an extensive orientation and explanation process, especially as we've uh, hired so many new from the private sector who aren't used to some of these benefit plans. Um, and Michelle goes through them in great detail. I have a question. Um, who is our broker? Dean Foreman is our broker. Where does, how do we access him? Is he a local guy? Dean Foreman, um, no, he's, at, he's out of this, not Sacramento, a little Sacramento-ish area. Um, actually, uh, Jim Dykstra, had, he had approached Jim probably in 2009 and where they had done a kind of a similar analysis back then. So um, he was a contact, a previous contact who got a, who got a hold of me. Ray, the other gentleman, uh, Gary Beating, was our, is our current broker right now for long-term disability. So he has an existing relationship and has for numerous years with the district. Well, I was wondering how easy it is for us to talk to him. He's only on rolling by phone. And oh, you know what? Uh, it's our broker, right? For it, Omaha. They're our broker. Of Omaha, which is a way. To yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, Dean Foreman is, is the broker that we're mm -hmm. recommending that we use and who, are the, who brought us assurance and the other savings, the other um, changes that we're recommending, has been very interactive with us. He's also have worked with some other local districts in the area up here. I believe across the street he also handles some of their, their stuff and he's working with the fire department in Incline Village as so, well. Just so I understand, Ramona, he's a broker who helped us look at different plan options. He's not the person that no, we're going to deal with if there's the, a yeah. health crisis in someone's family, right? Correct. So he's working for our benefit and we outline exactly what we want him to look at and what we want him to do. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Judy, do you have any questions? Okay, well, thank you, Ramona. Oh, you're welcome. So we'd like a motion to approve the suggested changes. So moved. Is there a second? second? Okay, moved and seconded. All in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. Item 5, resolution. Terry, can you? Before you approve this resolution, um, you have to open... Uh, just, this resolution includes consideration of an addendum to the secret document on the bike trail. So you need to open it up to public comment on that addendum. If there is none, then you can close public comment, and then you guys can consider the addendum and adopt the resolution. Okay. Public comment. Seeing none. Perfect. Okay, we can close the public comment, move on to the the motion then? So this is <clears throat> basically requesting funds for the Homewood Bike Trail, right? Yeah, in, in that process, the Conservancy asked us to clarify a few points in the CEQA document so that they could adopt it as their own for their CEQA action. I see. And that's the, that's the reason for the addendum. And, yeah. and it's the highway alignment. Yes. So I'd move approval with the resolution number 13-23. Second. Move and second <coughs> Resolution. Director Three. Friedman? Yes. Director Trebus? Yes. Director Henriksen? Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Sansucci. I really no, do. You, you can come to me if you'd. <laughs> Director <laughs> Wilkins? Uh, yes. Eric needs just a little more time. <laughs> Director Rankins? Yes. Back to Eric? With reservations, yes. With <laughs> okay. 
And, and while we uh, are dealing with this, uh, there's still somewhat of a deficit, as you know, on funding for uh, Homewood Bike Trail. Uh, we are diligently trying to secure that. I, I will update you under updates about a meeting I attended in Sacramento on Wednesday uh, relative to some of the regional transportation trails programs and funding programs. But <clears throat> I also want to commend, um, and not to make this a Matt day, but um, but we'll make it Matt. Why not? Matt Homolka holiday today. You can go play golf. No, uh, Matt, Matt has in, been instrumental in working with Caltrans to get them to actually amend this into their contract. I just want to remind the board that that is occurring because of Matt's leadership and persistence with Caltrans. And Caltrans really seeing that it's beneficial to the taxpayers and the property owners to amend this into their existing project. So. We are moving in that direction uh, rapidly. There's a lot of work to do to make that happen. Uh, Caltrans says they'll do it, and then uh, we get a lot of requests on what goes on there uh, to make that happen, and Matt's uh, been working on that extensively. So that's where we're headed with Homewood Bike Trail. Okay. <clears throat> the next resolution is 1324. Open that up for public comment. Seeing none, opposed? Entertain a motion? So moved. Second. Moved and seconded. Terry? Director Freeman? Yes. Director Trebus? Yes. Director Henriksen? Yes. Director Wilkins? Yes. Director Rankins? Yes. <clears throat> okay, now we're going to go to E7, the one we added. Yep. Go ahead. We had a request this morning from the Lake Tahoe Partnership. Um, to present something to the federal officials in response, um, and I'll draw your attention to the back of the package first. Um, the back of the package is a letter that was sent by, um, I believe, the Sierra Club, um, Friends of Lake Tahoe and North Tahoe Citizen Action Alliance. I'm sorry, no Sierra Club. No, Friends no. of Lake Tahoe, North Tahoe Citizen Action Alliance, and North Tahoe Preservation Alliance. These groups uh, wanted to go on record opposing uh, many of the strikes that TRPA had worked uh, on. I just want to make sure our press got this. <laughs> um, and uh, the uh, public agencies and partners that have been supporting the movement of TRPA toward the new regional plan uh, wanted to uh, prepare a response to distribute to the federal officials. Uh, and so uh, the attached um, remarks on, I think, page two and three of this packet uh, indicate what the partners have signed off on. And to date, uh, the partners uh, include the North Lake Tahoe Resort Association, the South Tahoe Chamber, the League to Save Lake Tahoe, Heavenly Valley, uh, the Forest Service, and Lahontan Regional Water Quality Control Board. This morning they reached out to South Tahoe Public Utility District and Tahoe City Public Utility District to also uh, come on board with this. Um, I was not involved in the vetting. I, had, I, I was CC'd on all the vetting of this yesterday. Um, I did not weigh in. Uh, we had a lot going on yesterday and um, I felt it was in good hands with the groups that uh, were balanced on both sides of environment and uh, government and uh, private interests that drafted this letter. So. With that, uh, staff's recommendation would be that we sign on, but I know these sorts of things need to come to the board for uh, policy discussion. Uh, 
Any questions or I'll give you a minute to read? <clears throat> So it looks like there's, this is a letter that's um, set up to have multiple signatories. Mm -hmm. And uh, are we expecting the other folks whose names are on here are going to sign? These have all already committed. They have. And then he's reached out to us. I believe I saw an email this morning that somebody else had, since we started this meeting, had agreed to sign on. Oh, the, yeah, the Tahoe Fund had agreed to sign on. They had a conference call this morning yeah. as well. I mean, this seems relatively so benign and fact-based. Yeah. So. You know, it's in line with our comments at the regional plan that we had already vetted when I testified on behalf <clears throat> of the regional plan and the compromises made there last spring. Uh, there's nothing new. I think it's uh, the concern was uh, that federal officials just hear one side of the story and not from uh, the other partners that are supporting uh, the opportunities that the new regional plan is going to help uh, with in our community. So, Cindy, where was the original letter published? It says publishers. It was sent. Um, my understanding is it was sent to uh, directly to. Um, I you know I don't know where it was first published. Okay. It was emailed to me, mm -hmm. and I don't know um, where, uh, where it was. I can check where that was uh, sent. And, and will this letter receive similar distribution? I believe that's their case. They wanted to get it out uh, today. Uh, let's see, what has he said? To state and other media, to regional state and other media by noon or thereabouts today. Okay. Thank you. Uh, my organizations, uh, which is um, supporting this, uh, we looked at it uh, from the standpoint of the letter in the back is from three people, and they they say they represent organizations. Often, those are the only names you ever see with those organizations, and they're giving an opinion there that appears to be one of the whole Lake Tahoe Basin. So we felt it was very important to offer. Um, the acknowledgement that other organizations, agencies, 
do not feel the same as those three people. And those three people often are expressing that same view at uh, any one of the many meetings they go to, uh, that it's just um, everything that we're doing here at the in the Lake Tahoe Basin is wrong and not for the environment, and it should all be stopped and uh, put into their hands. But I don't have any bias in approaching. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. <laughs> so I, I feel very comfortable, as I did when I was doing this two days ago, of uh, having the utility district support this because it does affect our approach as to the way that we do the work um, in the basin here. In that motion? Yeah. So I would move that we. Yeah, I would. I would move that we um, tell the uh, partnership that we support <coughs> this editorial. So if that was a motion that the district sign its name to this letter, I would second that. Okay, motion and a second, Liz. Uh, okay. Was that a second, Dan? Yes. Okay. Moved and seconded. Resolution 1324. <coughs> no, no, this is, a, this just, is a, just a motion to yeah. sign on to the letter. Okay, this is E7, right? Okay. Yeah. Signing on the letter. Just a simple motion is all required? That's correct. Okay. All in favor? Aye. 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 No. One no. Okay. okay. Terry, you got that? Okay. <clears throat> Management reports, Cindy? Um, unless uh, there's any questions on any of the reports, we can just go down to number 12, which are the updates. And I think we have some updates for you. Okay. Unless there's board member questions on any of the general reports. Anything from the board? Nope. Yep. Okay. Okay. So Matt, do you Updates, want to start? Yeah. Uh, Bob or Matt, do you want to start? Go. Rochambeau. Well, since it's Matt Day, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first. That makes no sense, but anyway. Um, we just completed, the last two days, we completed our um, annual trail surveys. Um, uh, and we had five locations on our, on our, all, our all our sections of trail and did uh, surveys, um, all that information is used for grant funding and reports and such that we do. So um, that went well, and that's been completed. Um, wanted to give you a little update on what's going on. We've, we've had some, um, it's come to our attention that there's been some commercial operations going on down at the Lake Forest Boat Ramp. <coughs> we have an ordinance in place, number uh, ordinance number 253, which uh, regulates uh, the use of the boat ramp, both for parking and for any commercial operations. Um, so probably three weeks or four weeks ago, it came to our attention that there were some um, um, jet ski and, and boat rental operations going on where um, this person would come in with their boat, they would launch, and then they would, they would, people would then meet them at the ramp, some exchange of money sometimes, and then they would, they would rent a boat and take off. That is against um, our ordinance. The ordinance allows for uh, a commercial operator to come in, launch their boat or their jet skis, go off and do a commercial operation somewhere else, but, but they can't do any activity, pick up people, drop off people, do any transactions or anything at the ramp. And so some of this has been occurring um, this summer. 
Um, there are three um, companies that we've identified um, so far this summer that are doing this that we have sent cease and desist letters to. Um, and we did, um, we haven't received much response from those companies other than the fact they were certified letters so that we know that they received them. Um, so we're keeping a close eye. We've been talking to all the regulatory agencies about um, how we can uh, proceed to in enforce um, s some of these issues down there. But right now, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're putting out flyers. We've got signs down at, at the boat right now that say commercial use is, is prohibited, uh, jet ski rentals, all that kind of thing. And, uh, and some of the customers I've seen have seen those signs and even um, turned away or, or uh, decided not to do business with the commercial operators because they've actually asked, do you have a, do you have a license or, uh, or do you have insurance or that kind of thing? And when they heard no, they've turned around and left. So we're doing what we can right now. We're, we're to continue to investigate it. Um, but we, where we think this is headed is that um, over the winter, we're probably going to have to get some or more ordinances in place that can be enforced by Placer County, and uh, so that we can get some backup if, uh, you know, beyond um, just going down and talking to people or putting out signs. So, um, like I said, three cease and desist letters out to companies. We're aware of companies that are going in and launching and going to doing commercial operations somewhere else, which is allowed within our ordinance, but some of them are breaking the ordinance. So I just wanted you to be aware we're working on that, and we'll continue <coughs> to work on it. Have they stopped? Mm. No. Not, 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 not all have. Not all some, have. some have made adjustments. Some, from what we hear, like a, there's some fishing charters that used to pick up um, people at, at the boat ramp. They're now launching and picking up somewhere else and dropping off somewhere else, which in that case, they have made adjustments. Some others, one in particular is completely ignoring us and moving ahead anyway. So we have a number of steps we can take, but we, we don't have enforcement authority ourselves. And so we've sent the cease and desist order. We've spoken with Placer County Sheriff's Wildlife Conservation Board, TRPA staff. So we're working with all the other agencies that might have some regulatory authority and state parks. Steve Gross has been in the loop and has made some recommendations that we may actually want to call these people in for a public hearing revoke their permission to use the boat ramp at all based on their viol continuing violation of our ordinance. And then I believe the sheriff will be able to enforce trespass uh, against these people. But that would be the extent. Uh, TRPA is looking into, I mean, what, what enforcement authorities they have and the power that they have. Uh, last Sunday morning I was there. There was one, a different operator that we had not yet notified running three different boats tied up to the boat ramp for an extended period of time and denying he knew anything about our ordinances, even though he'd walked by the signs that said, uh, you know, no commercial use. So we have now sent him a cease and desist uh, letter. And uh, I approached him and talked to him and explained, you know, this mm -hmm. is, you know, gave him my card and said this is not allowed. I've received several phone calls. We had heard there might be some fishermen who came today to protest and say, please let us do it. Um, it, we have explained to them that we would at first have to get TRPA's permission. That's zoned right now as recreational facility, not commercial. Uh, so we'd have to decide here at the board level whether you want us to pursue that, then the cost with pursuing permits to do that, and then what kind of RFP we would put out, and whether the site really uh, can accommodate these sorts of uses. We are so overstressed with <coughs> parking and access at that site, whether we should encourage additional activities. Certainly there'd be revenue there, but at what point will the public be excluded from using the boat ramp? 
because of these commercial operations if we start to allow them. So, Steve, I don't know if you want to weigh in on the enforcement side of it. We're not here this morning to get any direction, but just to brief you on what we've been up to our earlobes in for three weeks now. Yeah, just briefly what I had chatted with Cindy about is that, um, you know, we do require people to pay to use that boat ramp. They can buy a seasonal uh, season pass for that. And, um, you know, one of perhaps the only uh, enforcement mechanism we have right now, aside from working with other agencies, is not to uh, allow somebody to access it, either to revoke a permit or not sell them a permit. And to the extent that they've got a permit, um, we would have to provide some due process um, and probably some, some right of appeal. And so Cindy and I have been talking about what that may look like um, as we don't currently have a process in place. So there's probably more to come on this in the very near future. Are the, the businesses that do, that are using uh, the ramp, are they, do they have commercial operations somewhere else where they are licensed <laughs> and insured, or are they just guys I think, out I, there? I think it's all over the board. Okay. Um, some have business licenses, and some don't. Some may have insurance, some may not. Our concern was really if somebody's injured or hurt, we have no idea right. uh, of what these people, we're not named additionally insured by any of them. Okay. Uh, so th that's the, and we are finding them on the web. Some of them market on the web and that's okay. partly how we found them. Others, we're not quite sure how they market and where they get their customers. And, I have, I mean, yeah. I've seen it. and I've seen it on the beach next to it too. Yeah. Thank you. So. Any other questions on that? Yeah, I have one. Risk management. <clears throat> What's our liability, Steve? Lou, that's a good question. Right now, we, uh, you know, we have an ordinance that says they're not allowed to conduct uh, commercial activities and out if there. We continue to let them do it. Well, there, there's potentially a perception that somehow um, in the perception by the public that because they're operating out of this facility um, that they're that, that we're somehow authorizing them to do that and perhaps maybe we have some higher degree of responsibility to make sure those facilities are are safe you know for the public I mean we, we have an interest in maintaining them and making sure that sure they're safe anyway but uh, you know if there's an operator out there that does not have insurance and somebody gets hurt um, then you know the typical drill is to to look at all the deep pockets, um, and and here we are, the operator of the facility. So I think we do have some exposure there, and it's something that we, that we do need to address, and not just to uh, uh, <coughs> linger on. So I gather what you're saying is that we should act in a timely manner to try to enforce it now to put something in place. Yes, and we have been doing that. Um, signs have been I posted; mean, notices have been sent. Aggressively, so. That there's not, I mean, we're doing everything we can, Lou, and, and in addition, we are passing out flyers to every passenger vehicle that enters the site to say, if you're renting, this is not an authorized use here. So, uh, so every passenger vehicle that comes through there, including people using Pomine Field and going to soccer camps, and, and so that's a challenge, right, because we have a lot of people who go in to use Pomine Field, but our staff has been very good about notifying the customers. And as I said, we're working diligently with these agencies to find out who does have enforcement. And then we may call the board to hold a hearing to revoke permits if this continues. So um, I, 
I don't know what more we can do because we don't have citation powers ourselves. Well, I was yeah. leading up to this hearing that you proposed mm -hmm. earlier yeah. on. So would you address that? Well, the, the idea, at least that I've had in mind, is that uh, we would have a process by which um, we would notify a particular permit holder that we propose to revoke uh, their permit based on the fact that they're violating our ordinance and give that person an opportunity to have an informal hearing probably before the general manager and then provide a right of appeal if they're unsatisfied with that decision to appeal to the board. Um, and I think a process like that would, uh, would satisfy any due process requirements that may attach to uh, our issuance of permits. But we, Cindy and I really haven't vetted it much further than that. The other challenge is when these people arrive at the boat ramp. The only, uh, really the only enforcement power we would have at that point is our, the people on staff down there, which are seasonal employees. Uh, they would have to deny access uh, and maybe not reband the boat if they come out. Um, is about the only direct steps we can take. We would then rely on calling the sheriff to say we've got somebody trespassing uh, and TRPA, how timely they can arrive at the boat ramp if somebody wants to go ahead and launch. I think what we would then do is say we won't reband you because you've broken our ordinance. And whether or not we have that authority, because that's about in aquatic invasives, right. you know, and that's a TRPA rule. So we'd have to get TRPA to weigh in that we could do that, Lou. But, you know, we have, we don't have badges, we don't have guns, and we can't. <laughs> no, but we have big liability. We do, absolutely do, and that's why we've jumped all over this. And uh, I really appreciate Bob's leadership and Steve's on this and the other agencies, Placer County, I've had everybody in planning looking at it. What's the zoning, business license requirement? <coughs> they thought the sheriff could cite based on these facts. Some of these don't have business licenses, but it's on state property. You don't have to have a Placer County business license to be on state property. I then called WCB. They said, this is a state facility, um, but we've delegated operations and maintenance to you. You have to deal with it. I said, so Fish and Game Wardens can't come out, because that's the underlying ownership is Fish and Game. And there's one per every 200 square miles in the state of California. So the opportunity for them to get there is challenging. So our best bet is probably TRPA and this trespass citation, and then can the sheriff ticket them, right. if they're out on the water already, can they put it on their vehicle? Right. Well, and it strikes me that at this point we're a couple weeks away from the end of the heavy boating season. Things are going to be taping up, tapering off in the fall, so the, you know, even if there is some scofflaw activity out there, it's probably going to be a situation where we're not displacing other potential users of the boat ramp and the parking facilities and a good project to work on over the winter because I can see all kinds of um, nuances to it in terms of what's the definition of commercial use. I mean, clearly tying up jet skis and boats and then sending them out to rent them on an hourly basis is, is clearly a commercial use. Having a, a person with a boat who has five other people meet him there and go out on the water and go wakeboarding or whatever, I, I don't know where the line is drawn. And um, it, it's it's worth giving some thought as to, in my opinion, what is the right place to dry, draw that line, mm -hmm. line, and and not try to do it in a hurried fashion over the course of you know 
a, a few weeks and, and really give it some thought over the winter. So, because I think my, from my perspective, it's, it's more about um, not having, it, it's mostly about not having the ramp and parking facilities become overwhelmed uh, any more than they already are uh, for the general public to use as opposed to, and, and you get into, okay, the people that are meeting someone who's taking them out wakeboarding, even if it is for a fee, or they are the general public. <laughs> so I don't know where to draw the line on it. I don't think we should try to figure it out today. Uh, but I could see, you know, part of the conversation over the winter, with, I mean, it sounds like a great Parks and Rec Committee uh, <laughs> item. Um, yeah, but I could I could see you know inviting in some of these folks who are who are using the facility in a manner that we currently think is inappropriate and and talking with them about it, make sure we're getting their perspective as well as the general public's perspective on it, and making sure we come up with a good set of guidelines over what what's right, what's the right way to use that facility or not. Right. Saw a boat come in there and stop and pick up somebody from the dock too, and I was thinking about bringing my water shuttle in there and getting passengers. Yeah, we could use that parking lot. And yeah, what would be wrong with that? Yeah, so I don't know where the I don't know where you draw the line. Wasn't this fun? Great thing for parking there. recommended to figure out <laughs> where draw the line. Yeah. <laughs> Send it forward. Yeah, I think if we went through a TRPA permitting process, we'd find we don't have adequate parking. Absolutely. And so we would be prohibited from encouraging more use at the site um, unless we could find alternative parking. And the cost of finding alternative parking for that site, as we have investigated over many, many years, um, is prohibitive. Um, so. Okay. Short update there, sorry. We knew that one might be long. Yeah. Matt? Okay. Um, just wanted to let you guys know that as of last week, the water GIS map uh, was completed and it's been distributed to all the utility crew. So that's a big accomplishment for Sean and Kevin in particular. Um, and everybody's pretty excited to have that done. And then John was going to give you guys an update on Lake Forest and Forest. Um, Lake Forest. Currently, we open up contracts for phase two and three. Um, talked to the contractor yesterday to, to nail down a paving restoration date. We're looking at August 26th um, as when we're going to start doing the restoration work. Currently we have uh, two services to connect that were part of the original contract. We have since filled ordered in three additional services that we've had to change and modify. Um, and then the drinking fountain. We should be buttoning up out there. Uh, four Seasons, they have completed uh, all of the pipeline we're connected, we're now running on the new pipe out of Four Seasons. We have some electrical work and, and restoration finish up there. And then on the Tahoma Meadows transmission line, um, we've made our connection uh, up at the Crystal Way well. Uh, the vaults and the meters in, the foundation work for the creek crossing is in, and we're just laying pipe at this point. I think they're making very good progress up there. So, you can get drinking water? Yeah, you've got 98% of those customers are on our service. Good. Congratulations. It's a long time coming. Yes. <clears throat> okay, thanks, Jim. Mm -hmm. Any other questions?
Okay. Any other reports? Tony or uh, just a just a quick update. Um, you know, I thank John for the update on Tahoma Meadows. That project can't come soon enough. Yesterday we had a uh, two days ago we had a power outage on the West Shore and it um, affected one of the electrical components in the old Tahoma Meadows system. Um, so luckily, all the work we did to put in level alarms and things like that to get some early warnings that there's a problem there paid off, and we were able to get the problem resolved. Um, within a few hours, um, but there was about a 12-hour period that the well pump was offline. Um, Did we bring a jet portable generator over there? Well, we have a generator out there. Okay. You know, as op part of operations, we've been renting that generator uh, and then billing that rental back to the to, to Toma Meadows. Um, but anyway, you know, and they're very appreciative of both the generator and our quick response to repair the problem because in the past, the only way they knew they had a problem was when they all ran out of water. So, um, <laughs> you know, they, they, anytime something like this comes up, they're always very appreciative of, of what we're doing for them. And um, as I said, the pipeline can't come soon enough. <laughs> so. Thanks, Tony. Ramona, did you have anything? Uh, just two things. Um, at the Finance Committee, we kicked off the 126-day budget process. Just thought I'd say that. At the next meeting, we'll be bringing back some new formatted reports through the Finance Committee um, in terms of what you'll be seeing as a final product. I think you'll like it. It'll, it's a little more streamlined, and it'll give us a little bit more information. The second thing as well is we're starting to kick up the audit as well, the timeline, and working through that process and just go into it. So, As part of that, um, you have a new uh, calendar in your board books that includes some change of meetings in October for the committees uh, based on budget prep calendar and um, also you know we installed a new phone system and I want to hats off to Sean and Terry for a lot of work uh, on the new phone system you also have a list of our new phone extensions uh, direct dial numbers now as well as new extensions if you use the old main line uh, so Bear with us. Uh, some of us are challenged to find the time to learn more about it, to use it appropriately. Hopefully next week I'll, some of us will have more time <laughs> to, to know what, how to retrieve our messages. And I had uh, one update. I mentioned that on Wednesday um, I spent the full day in Sacramento attending the State Park Partners Coalition meeting. Uh, what that is is a group of uh, agencies throughout the state who operate state park units or facilities. Um, it was brought together by the Houston group, our lobbyist, uh, represented um, LA, City Parks, Santa Monica, East Bay, Park and Rec District, um, uh, Mid Peninsula, uh, Santa Monica, a number of very large uh, park districts, uh, and, and of course I was invited to uh, be there. We uh, had an hour and a half private meeting with Major General Anthony Jackson from um, uh, State Parks and talked quite a bit about the unique situations we find ourselves in operating state park units without funding and without long-term agreements uh, and agreements between us all that vary dramatically in their language and their length of duration and their um, uh, uh, <coughs> various components of those. 
Um, everybody expressed their challenges, and we received a lot of commitments that State Parks does want to work with partners and streamline that process and um, work for uh, improvements. We then uh, had a number of speakers, including people involved with uh, transportation bike trail projects. Uh, everybody's very interested in what's going to happen with the re uh, recreational trails program and uh, state funding. And so we then met with Assemblymember Anthony Breeden, who is chair of Assembly uh, Water Parks and Wildlife Committee. He should be the next pro uh, speaker of the House. Uh, he's from L.A., and uh, he represents the area, the city of Bell, as well as four other cities. He said, if you think the city of Bell has governance problems, he's got, I can't remember how many people who are in those cities that are in his district are currently serving jail time. It, it was a pretty out, uh, amazing number. I can't remember the number. I should have written it down. Uh, he, of course, is very interested in a Parks Bond Act, but is very can, uh, focused on urban parks, underserved populations having access. He believes it's a civil liberty um, that uh, that people need to have parks within their areas, and uh, so he's going to fight that the state park that we do a bond, a state park bond, but that it uh, really include a lot of emphasis on inner city, urban, underserved populations. Uh, but he was interested in talking to us about our overall needs and the populations we serve. Um, you know, he said not everybody can get in their Subaru and drive up to the mountains and recreate. <laughs> yeah, so, me. Yeah, and I said, well, I think you might be surprised. Uh, we did have a good conversation about that. We also heard from uh, Assembly Speaker, current speakers, uh, Chief of Environmental Affairs, Panama Bartholomew. Uh, Secretary Laird addressed our group and made several references to, to Tahoe City and our bike trails and things, which was very nice. Um, several of the staff, Bill Craven and Diane Colburn. Uh, we also heard from the new Parks Forward Initiative, which is the appointed group that's going to be looking at the whole state park operation, including uh, Julie Packard, uh, one of the people that was in our group from Sonoma, uh, Carol Hart, married infamously to Mickey Hart of the Grateful Dead. Carol is uh, head of Sonoma Parks and Rec, and she is serving on that Parks Forward Initiative. Um, and that process, and, and we, um, out of this meeting, uh, we were told we were going to just come under public forum and speak to these folks, and we said, no, we'd like to have a technical advisory committee that advises the Parks Forward Initiative. And so they agreed to that in the meeting, so I think that was a great step forward. And then we also talked to the Senate Appropriations Committee chair. So a lot of good meetings. Doug did an excellent job. We were there. Uh, we didn't wrap up till about 5.30 or 6 at night, and it started at 9.30 in the morning, so it was a very long day. Um, a lot of great networking, and I think a lot of great opportunities for a district as small as ours to be included with kind of the, the big guys, gals and guys. What, what, what was the latest on the recreational trails program that's being absorbed into a larger... They, are still, they are still lobbying uh, to try to get the intent that recreational trails not get absorbed into the Caltrans funding and transportation funding only. And the gal from, um, I'm sorry, who are, I don't have the name of the speaker, she was added, um, who spoke to us. I'll get that for you, Dan. But she, their, their group is, is working hard to try to make sure that that money stays in place and is augmented. It was cut um, somewhat, and uh, they're trying to find out where, I think, even though it was only, uh, is it 
four or five million a year statewide. Yeah. It's not a very large pot of money, um, but they are trying to make sure it stays with recreational um, necessity uh, and programs. Um, and the Parks Bond Act, they did. They, we talked a lot about the water bond being cut, and as you know, it came out yesterday. The new draft language uh, from 11.4 billion down to 5.4. The fear, the theory is that the water bond will be between five and six billion dollars when it, if it goes on the ballot. It will contain language for the conservancies. How much to the California Tile Conservancy is unknown, um, but one of the <coughs> How that impacts us is through water bonds is where we've gotten a lot of our acquisition money and public access money. Um, that's most likely being primarily cut out of the water bond. It's going to focus on water projects. And the, quite a bit of discussion was when we could do another parks bond. We used to do them every two to three years. Can we expect to do one by 2014 or 20, not 2014, 2016? And... Um, so it's a ways out, but everybody's very interested in working on that and working with state parks to get out from under their negative press so that maybe it would have a chance of passing. And they were talking about a 2 to $3 billion park bond act. And reinstituting our per capita funding, which is the most flexible funding that we ever received uh, in the past, was the per capita funding. Uh, we replaced you know, the windows at Fairway and... Uh, TCC with that funding, Playground at Rideout was funded through our per capita funding, and so uh, we'd really like to see that reinstituted. It really helps serve our needs. So I, I, it was an excellent meeting. Timing couldn't have been worse for me personally to have had to spend the day in Sacramento, but once we got through all the conversations, I felt it was worth my time and energy to get down there and, and meet with those folks and track what they're doing. They'll be the leaders on it and we'll tag along. We'll be at the tip of the tail, but working to help. Did, did you say that um, entire park uh, uh, commission, not, that's not what it's called, but were they all there? Were they no, the Parks Board Initiative, Ken Wiseman is executive director. Yeah. He spoke to the group. Ken uh, was uh, the executive director uh, for uh, the Marine Life Protection Act. So I work closely with Ken. So Ken made sure to talk about me a lot in the meetings. That was <laughs> pretty fun. But he's going to be running it. They, Julie, uh, the Hewlett and Packard Foundations have funded that process. And uh, it'll be very similar to the Marine Life Protection Act where they will be an independent group that, over, that looks over what has happened with state parks and how they can be reorganized, including potentially surplusing land to local agencies. Um, you know, Skylandia is a perfect example of a, a unit that doesn't generate revenue, costs us money, and state parks has had really not much of a presence other than some tree removal and once in a while some uh, citation authority. Is that a property that they may look to a local agency to acquire? And uh, John Laird is very supportive of those efforts in when he was uh, an assembly member Santa Cruz, uh, the local city, took over uh, a state park unit, and they surplused it and went through that process. And so he's very supportive of getting some of these parks and underserved, you know, that don't really meet state park criteria back to local park districts so there can be more flexibility in their use. Okay, thanks, Cindy. Anything, any more questions from the board? Okay, correspondence. 
questions? Uh, I had one with the, the school district facilities master plan effort. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, something we'll be participating in? Both Bob and I have been asked to participate in it, and uh, <laughs> we're, we're both trying to figure out uh, how much time and energy. I mean, overall, certainly the facilities that we're interested in, the ones here at the lake, we'd like to participate in those discussions. Um, and I mean, my sense is they're going to spend a lot of time talking about trucky facilities because those are the ones that are most deficient. Yeah. Right. Um, obviously, ride-out comes into play in terms of what's the school right. district's long-term interest or lack thereof right. in that facility. With all our ball fields. Yeah. So, so exactly. one of the questions I need to get back to Rob on, and I apologize, it's kind of on my list for next week after we get through the summit, um, is to ask him, can the agendas be set up so that we can focus on attending those meetings that are relevant here at the lakeside? Um, I, I can't see either one of us wanting to participate in the, the discussions in Truckee. Um, Rob has set up quarterly meetings with me and is making the effort when he's over here at the lake to come meet for an hour with me and go through common areas. He's very interested in um, hearing from us any other changes we'd like to see both at Rideout, North Tahoe High and Tahoe Lake for the facilities we operate. So uh, he is really a strong leader in my in, in communicating with the district uh, and taking more assertive role and said, you know, I mean, called and said, I want to have quarterly meetings with you and get the pulse of what we need to do over there at the lake. So uh, he's really reaching out, and I think uh, that's a great approach. But, Dan, I think uh, I want to caution that I don't see us spending hours of time on the trucking. No, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be. <laughs> no, it's, and it's really as I understood this, um, I'd gotten one of these, too, that it's four meetings that they're asking yeah. participation in. Yeah. Uh, and there's September 1, October 1, and one in November and yeah. December. I didn't see a lot of in-between stuff. Yeah, but I think anytime you look at facilities, I think there will be reports and other information they may ask us for. So I think there might be more effort in it. But we certainly want to be involved on the lakeside. Right. So. <clears throat> okay. Anything else? Okay, let's move into the closed session. I'm going to ask uh, Steve to give us a little. Can I ask that? Do you want to cover? Because I noticed the agenda, the director's comments. Everybody out of here first. Oh, okay. Address that before closed session. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 <clears throat> make note of the upcoming 75th anniversary of CPUD, and it's also coincidentally the 105th anniversary of Utah City. Um, I want to thank staff and, and the community for everything they're doing to pull this together so quickly. I encourage everybody to attend it, the events that will be Labor Day weekend, um, which is in two weeks. Um, so thank you, and attend, and sponsor, and, and become a part of a historic celebration. The other thing I want to commend staff on right now is concerts at the beach, which are going really well. Um, Bob and I might have some difference of opinion if we've had record-breaking crowds, but they've certainly been well attended, well orchestrated. Uh, the PUD staff has been down there every single week manning the booth, and hauling trash and doing all the things that everybody expects us to do, but 
behind the scenes, it's going really well. So thank you for that. So, I think Eric, do you have anything? Supportive of Judy's. Um, a couple of things. One, I'd really like to commend Tony and with Lance and Jeff McCollum and all these people to become, have the district become way more independent and not reliable, relying on contractors out there and their schedules and stuff. And I, I think when there was a time when the general manager is the only one that can run a backhoe out here, but <laughs> that's changed. And I, and yes, I, you and certainly I can. That's <laughs> Yeah. At least that without so an hour's I think training. That's really, I think that's really good for the district. Um, the other thing is the bike trail down the river is really bad um, for all the roots and all the bumps. And I don't know what we can do in the interim before we overlay it, dig all that stuff out, whatever we're going to do. So I think it's bad. Um, I, I get comments from people that I go, why are you riding on the highway? I go, the bike trail down there is too bad. And so a friend of mine, Ravisa, just fell. It's kind of unrelated, but he fell right in front of the tile house on the bike trail and broke five ribs and had to get carried to the hospital. But I think he's fine. Doesn't sound good. Yeah. In three weeks, he's going to be something like this. He doesn't like to laugh much. Dan, do you have anything? Yeah, we, uh, probably three months ago at the board, we had talked about sending a poll out to our voters about our election the, you know, the way we do our elections by seats as opposed to at large, and I'm curious where that's at. Uh, I, Dan had asked me about this the other day, and I, um, I pleaded guilty to not urging the board members to help me get those pros and cons going and, and get that done. Um, we really shifted focus uh, time-wise into this Labor Day event, these events and all, all the issues through the summer, and I said I'd get back on this in September, but I'd urge um, the board members to help me with, that, with the pro and con letters that we were going to do, and um, we'll get this wrapped up so we can get it out in September. It, if we're going to do is, it, we is should Is there going to be an election this November? That we're no. So I don't think it's really that urgent. So you I think the do sooner, it after, the sep after yeah. September, but, um, and I, I thought really it was, you were going to come up with a draft and we were going to edit it, but. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, if you have any right, points, I'm to ready to help yeah. you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that makes sense though, because I mean, what happened the first a year, two two years ago, whatever it was, when we when staff did send a question out to some of the local community, uh, you were concerned that it was, was slanted. Yeah. Right. And so. Last time around, we said, hey, let's just ask the question and not provide any perspective well, we'll one way or the other. But I, I don't know if it's fair to ask Cindy to write a, well, here's why we should do this type letter for Ron, and here's a, why we yeah. shouldn't do this yeah. type yeah, letter from Eric. Yeah. I mean, uh, that needs to come from you guys, I think. That's fine. If, if that's, that's, if that's what we're just, doing. It was just kind of, that's the way we left it is all I'm saying. Okay. You know, so no, I'm, I'm, and, and part of what I, the reason I wanted to bring this up is just to ask, do you guys have time to do this or should we take a different course and just send it out with without the pro and con letters? Um, I'm a little bit busy right now, but I would make an effort to do it. Yeah. What about you? Um, but it, it'll be September. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. it's going to be September. And anyway. which is two weeks. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I agree with what you said, that um, it was, uh, I, 
I think it was going to, actually me that was going to put together a letter about this, and then um, the the pro the cons can come from you. Is going to be the deal. Really? Mm -hmm. We should have two pros, and then so whoever makes. Yeah. Well, okay. you have you have your points, and I'll have my. Oh, points. okay. That's fine. Right. We don't have to call it's it. More it's yeah. probably more advantages. probably more advantages and disadvantages of the two. You know. So anyway. Yeah. So so. We'll we'll refocus on this, and I do think. Um, so what we can just ask you to do is is remind us to do that. And and circulate the information we had last time, so that we. Yeah talk about yeah. what that voter a pamphlet will look like and I have not done that so I apologize we have um, you know we have a significant <coughs> staff outage right now as well as all these events so thanks for your patience and we'll get it done in September I think Dan's right if we're going to do it we need to do it well in advance of an election year yeah. and that would mean getting it done this fall uh, so that next year it's a it's done or not done and everybody knows how we're proceeding so. right. <coughs> yeah. thank you Okay, let's go into any other director's comments. Now that on follow-up for staff direction, I think that's the only item that has come out today, the follow-up item. So thank okay. you. Okay, do you have anything? No, nope, that was it. Okay, we're going to closed session, and Steve, you'll give us a little thing on. Before we go into closed session, though, Lou had asked me to, to just make a, a little um, announcement with respect to the – we can take a break right yeah. now if you like. Uh, with respect to the closed session, he had inquired whether or not he needed to recuse himself from the discussion uh, concerning Madden Creek because he's a customer of Madden Creek. And uh, I looked at the issue and I reported back uh, to him and to, to Cindy that, uh, in my opinion, he is not required to recuse himself. And he just asked me to give a little explanation on that because the issue had come up with Cindy and Eric with respect to Lake Forest. Uh, with a with a different type of conclusion, and, and the way to analyze this is under the Political Reform Act, which precludes um, public officials from participating in a decision, influencing or attempting to influence a decision in which one of their economic interests would ha would be materially affected in a way that's different than the uh, the effect would be on the public generally. So, as I consider uh, the issue. It appears the most likely way that um, an economic interest could be affected would be through water rates, um, because one of the economic interests under the Political Reform Act is an effect on personal household expenses. So your water bill is a personal household expense. Um, just by looking at the comparison between uh, the, the existing water rates between our district and Madden Creek, um, over the course of a 12-month period, that differential in rates could uh, exceed $250. Uh, that would be the, that's the level of materiality. So since there's a potential for a change in water rates of $250 or more in a 12-month period, the, the decision or the, the, uh, the possible decision would be material. And the last part of the analysis is to determine whether or not um, this decision would have a, uh, an effect on Lou that's different than the effect on the public generally. So when we look at the regulations under the Political Reform Act, we have guidance there. And if the uh, effect of a decision would uh, impact more than 10% of the number of people that we serve in our boundaries here, then it's deemed to affect the public generally. Okay. If the decision were to affect less than 10 percent, 
of the population, then it wouldn't affect the public generally, and the official would have to recuse himself. So as we look at the number of, of potential customers at Madden Creek, it roughly represents about 25% of the number of customers. Madden and Tahoe Cedars. I'm sorry, Madden and Tahoe Cedars would be more than 25%. What would Madden be? Very small. But uh, we're please. not looking at them separately. <clears throat> the offer is, would be for both. So that might be a... <laughs> Sorry to stump you there. As I heard you just continue to say Madden, I was uncomfortable. The, the, the Marr brothers are interested in selling all their assets, and these negotiations are for all their assets. And you, you are in Madden, right? But, 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 Mid Sierra Utility is the name of the company that owns both systems. They own both systems. Yes. And the way we understand it is that's what's for sale. Yes, what we understand for sale is Mid-Sierra Utilities. Which is comprised of both. Oh, okay. All right, well, that, that makes more sense. Then, then uh, analysis stays the same then. Uh, yeah, that was, that was, I thought that was going to throw me for. Wrong analysis. I'm sorry, that was my. You know, when I was thought it was a different fact it. there that just changed it all. So, uh, so that, that that's the um, <laughs> that that's the analysis. That's why I believe that Lou is not required to recuse himself. Is that is that clear enough? Clear as mud, Steve. <laughs> I asked Steve, and I also asked Steve to go over it again as a reminder to the board members that there's two thresholds there, because obviously anything in a small community affects you, but again, if it affects more than 10 percent of the overall population, then you are allowed to participate because you're not, it's not just about your property or your assets. So is that the difference between Lake Forest and this one? Yeah. Is that 10%? 10%? Yes. I think so. I, I, I didn't, I didn't. Above and beyond that, it was also the perceived conflicts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's where, you know, an official can decide that he or she, you know, wants to recuse him or herself just based on that perceived issue, uh, a perceived conflict, but it's not required to, to recuse under that situation. And I, and I believe that was the difference between Lake Forest and this situation, although I wasn't here at the time the Lake Forest issue was considered. Yeah, either way, yeah. I felt it wasn't appropriate for me to be in because I advised the board on policy decisions, but board members themselves. See, I didn't think I should have had to recruit myself at all because I was on a well. I mean, it didn't make a difference at all to the rates or any which way, but, hmm. you know, here we go. Well, I didn't provide that analysis. Yeah, so. Good thing we got rid of that. Well, and that's why I wanted, Eric, that's, that's why I asked Steve to brief the whole board on what he had told me, because what he shared with me was what I felt new, the second threshold of 10% or more was another threshold there. So. Just one final point. The agenda identifies the district negotiators as directors Wilkins, Hendrickson, and then Cindy, Tony, and myself. Really, the only appointed negotiators are directors Wilkins and Hendrickson. So, uh, so for future, is that all that should be listed or the appointed? Yes. Okay. Okay. okay.